Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hi, it's your girl, Dalin Jasmine, and welcome to Hello Latino. I can't begin to tell you how much I love this conversation, the flow I had with Nestor Melendez, an educator, a podcast host, and a natural storyteller, which you'll hear in this episode. This conversation is important for so many reasons, but I summed it up into three things. One, the New Yorican experience. Nest gives us a little history lesson on the island and its relationship to the U.S. and its Caribbean neighbors. Two, the pride in Latinidad. We go straight into talking about our warmth, our people, and our beauty. And three, Nestor really talks about and dissects what identity truly encapsulates. And man, I couldn't have said it better myself. Nestor is a proud New Yorican, proud Boricua, born and raised in Brooklyn. He's part philosophizer, part rebel, and a professional educator. Y al final, nos da una bendición. Que disfruten. And I was like, who's boss? Why, why is this a boss? <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Until I learned that that's how they meant, meant you. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those yeah. things. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cuba, Cuba? Yeah, it's, that's Cuba boss. Yeah, Colombians use Cuba a lot, mm-hmm. I've noticed. And it's, it's so funny, like, knowing the little nuances between each culture. Like, I think the first time I used boss around, like, my Mexican friends, they were like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were so confused, right? They're like, yeah, we don't use that. And I remember I said boss around, I was I was meeting these Dominican folks for the first time. And, you know, I said, y vos, como andas? you know, like just being being casual. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're like, you Central Americans like using boss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't use that. All right. So it's, an, it's another know. form of identifying ourselves. It's like, oh, you're one of those mm-hmm. Hispanics. You want to those Latinos. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, the language nuances are there for us. So it's, you know. Yeah. But it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. Like I grew up watching a lot of not just Mexican novelas, but I grew up watching a lot of Colombian novelas. Like my parents were all about the Colombian novelas. And Mm. I picked up on all the nuances of like the way they spoke, like they would say that all the time. But I also noticed how similar the languages were between, you know, Honduran speaking and Colombian speaking, like yeah. the the way that they spoke, right? But I think just in general, a lot of the Latinos that I've I've come to know, that I've met, that I've seen on TV, there's this like, we all got this charisma about us, this like 
chispa, sazón. Like we just have some about us. Like when we speak, we speak with passion with our hands and like yes. just hella animated. So it's like beautiful. Yeah. I mean that, you know, certainly it, it's, it's one of the things that, that is used to identify us, but a la misma vez it's also used against us in, you know, as a, as a negative, you know, like, oh, Eso. you're so passionate. Like it's a bad thing or the, the, the mm. passionate Latina, the hot blooded, fiery, temptress or the or the smooth latin lover man who you know is gonna seduce you and give you 13 children and then leave like okay <laughs> you did not just say 13 children i did I did, <laughs> I did say 13 children my bad i you know shout out no to no them. that's true though that's true i mean 13 children is like not even that uncommon though my uh, my mom's side she got 11 siblings and then my papa has 10 yeah. so yeah. I mean, big families. And then we're seven, so we're small compared to them. And I'm like, I got a big family. <laughs> yeah, and you run into your cousins all the time. You're like, are you my cousin? Are you my cousin? Oh, can I tell you a funny story yeah. talking about that? So I started following my cousin. I remember him growing up. He's He was like my brother's age, so más mayor, like he was older. But I I remembered him, right? Like obviously family. So I started following him on Instagram. And it, this was around the time of my brother's birthday. So I posted a picture of me and my brother on his birthday. And my cousin goes, oh, my God, how do you know my cousin? <laughs> he didn't he remember you. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm your cousin. And then he goes, oh, no way. <laughs> 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 he was like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I just don't remember. He's like, you know, we got so many cousins all around. I was like, damn, I grew up with you though. That's crazy. <laughs> but I don't know, Nina. You know, I was I was so little, so I'm like, yeah. all right, I'll I'll let this slide. But I remembered you. But no, it was so funny. I, I remember my family started dying. They were like, Alex said what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's. Like he didn't remember me. I had I have cousins. So I think the other thing that happens in in our families is that because of the time, like you'll have titis that will remarry or, you know, that are the youngest one in the family um, who were basically born like a couple of years ahead of, you know, that kind of stuff. But because they're mm -hmm. your parents, um, aunts and uncles, but you're raised as they're your aunt and uncles. And then you have cousins that come out of those things, you know, and they're really like your mother's cousins, but those kids are your age. So they're more like your cousins. And so I, because of my grandfather's family being as, as big as, as uh, your parents, 13 siblings, my grandmother was 11 as well. Um, all of those brothers and sisters had kids. And then I got introduced to them when I was little, young. And then many years passed and I didn't see them again until I was a teenager. And then it's like, well, this is your cousin. You used to play with them when you were little. And I'm like, no, I, no, I didn't. And then they're showing me pictures of when I was with them as little kids. I'm like, holy shit. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That happens so much. Our families are just so big. Like, I remember at one point, I never grew up with any of my grandparents, so I never met them. But my mom, we grew up with my mom's uncle. So we would call him Tio Abuelo, mm -hmm. right? But, like, even then explaining it to, I remember explaining it to people. And I was like, he's not, he's not my, like, Tio but he's not mi abuelo tampoco. Yeah. He's my tío abuelo, you know. And they're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's not a that's not a foreign concept. No, like, because you know, because, we grow up with like 
all of our cousins, 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 and like that all. Well, what's interesting, you know, again, I think it's against the backdrop of whiteness. And so the the, mm. the, the, the question of coming up with people as, as family, like white folks didn't really do cousins and, and community upbringing. So when you say like, oh, this is my uncle that raised me, they go, that doesn't why would your uncle raise why would my uncle not raise me that's my uncle we're blood related like it makes sense and you know and my cousins are basically my, my brothers and my sisters like that's how we look at it and the the, the you know white folks is unless we hire you to take care of our kids uh we don't we don't understand extended families like oh my god i'm gonna tell that you tell you this story i won't disclose names but um friend of mine friend of a friend she was saying how she pays her 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 husband's mother, so la abuela. She pays her to look after their son. Right. I was like, "What? You pay them?" I was like, "That's not that's not what we do. Like, nah, we just we just have them like they come over." Yeah. My brother calls us up. He's like, "Hey, can you take care of the kids?" I'm like, "Yeah, I, I have an hour." Yeah. <laughs> They're like, "Cool." kids hang out with me for an hour it's but no i mean it's just such a a foreign concept right i'm like family and that's the way we were raised and that's part of the the cultura is to look after one another it's community right it's family Mm -hmm. and all of those things that are so deeply like innate to us and just like part of our values like i don't think that that'll ever change for me hopefully not (laughs) we're the ones that got to hold on to that stuff and and uh yeah replicate it for no pressure generations. yeah <laughs> it's 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 our, yeah, it's our heritage no. la herencia nuestra yeah la herencia nuestra i don't i don't think it's, it's even pressure though i think it's just again for me the way i see it is that it's so innate into who i am and you know my parents really drilled it into me without it without me even knowing like it's just how i grew up like we and i think this is what i love about latino culture too and maybe we do it too much to a fault but we're givers, you know, we give time, energy, love. And one of the things that I always saw growing up with my parents is that, you know, no tenían, even if they didn't have los centavos en, 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 la, en la cartera, you know, if they didn't have a penny to their name, they would still give. Ayudar al vecino, a la vecina, o al primo, al prima, al tío, al tío, you know, they would always do anything, whether it's or le voy, le voy a hacer un bistec, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. fancy out here. Or le voy a hacer comida, un plato. Or I'm just going to go over there and visit y tener un cafecito. Or whatever the case may be, we give time, we give energy, we give love, we give community, we give, like, even money sometimes yeah. when you don't have it. We're like, all right, I can help you. Yeah. Like, you need to fix the car? You don't have money right now? No worries. Here it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 Here it is. How, how do, you know, the, 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 the question being, like, where did they find the resources to to do these things when now us as inheritors of of the you know the responsibility of adulthood and and trying to figure out how to make it in this world you you think to yourself i i know they weren't operating with with as much stuff as as i have now and they still managed to put it together like there's a magic in there um and 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 maybe that's you know that speaks to our our ancestors our our otherworldly powers you know that that maybe our our gods our saints our elder spirits find a way to to make it so that we have stuff and you know when when you look at a potentially godless people who exist alongside of us who always have horrific things happen to them well you know 
you're you're an abomination <laughs> before in, on this planet. So maybe you you deserve the stuff that you get for the for the havoc that you've wrecked upon the world. But that's a negative. That's a negative spin. So I'm just looking at it from the sense of like our parents always had somehow, some way, uh, and they, they didn't they didn't they didn't uh, deny folks anything. You know, especially us as kids. Yeah, no, that's that's facts. And I I think about that all the time because I'm like, my parents still do that. You know, they they never ever come off like they're struggling, even though you know there's there's moments right where it's like, okay, how are we gonna pay the bills or how are we gonna do this or that? But they always like one thing they always taught me, one thing I've always seen is that they always do, they always pay their bills, they always do this, they always give, they always provide, they always like feed people, and whether that's emotionally, food-wise, you know, like the todo. And one thing that they always used to say to me is like my mom, for example, she cooks a lot, loves being in the kitchen. And one of the things she would always tell me is, you know, I cook, but sometimes I don't feel like I have enough ingredients. And then, you know, I freaking feed the whole la hacienda. I feed the whole town. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, porque te sale en abundancia. Like you literally like make food for everybody. Like the whole freaking neighborhood can be fed off of your food. And she's like, you know, con hay amor, con hay pasión. And when there's seat at the table, you always, you always try to feed people. Like food is love. Food is a blessing. Es una bendición. Like my mom always says every single day in la mañana. Ay, que bendición que hay comida en la casa. Yeah. Que bendición. Like, she would always say that. And I'm like, food is love for us. Well, it, like, it is, especially when, <laughs> when you think about the the stories of some of them trying to to make it, right? Like, the jobs that they had to hold, um, the, the less than glamorous work that, that they had to perform. You know, fathers out there working on, on farms, out there working construction, out there working in factories, uh, mothers working in in tailor shops, working cleaning people's houses, working cooking for other folks, and you know all of that to put food on their own table. So you know there there being a bendición of food on the table speaks to like the work that they had to to do to make that happen. So it is a blessing because you weren't guaranteed that, right? And 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 so again, it's it's about this. If I think about a concept that 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 defines the Latino, it's it's that hope and that faith that things are gonna break well for us. That in our time of need, we will be provided for. And you know, granted, a lot of times it's white Jesus that we're praying to, but I I think it goes deeper than that. I, I think that you know, encoded in our yeah. in our DNA oh is a, is a connection to the primal source, and the primal source who's our protector gods and our protector spirits are the ones giving us, right? It, it just for some folks, it's through the lens of white Jesus, but through others, it's through the santos, the orishas, the uh, the spirits uh, of those that came before who are going to find a way to give you what you need in, in, in that moment. Um, mm. But it's, it's, it's all in Wow, you just, you just had, a, you just said a powerful statement. Wow, like hope. I think that's, and the reason I'm saying it's so powerful is because one person like just reminded me of this. They're like, you know, you, you approach the world with a very, like, with a lot of hope, with a lot of faith and you're kind of fearless. And I was like, really? Like, there's a lot of fears happening under the surface. Maybe I don't like show it, but that's how I was raised. Like that's part of, that's part of the cultura, you know, to always, wherever there's struggle, right. There's always going to be struggle in life. But my family, my cultura really taught me like, 
there's there's better things in the world. There's things in the world that are are a blessing, right? There's community, like even me with my family, I'm like, these are these are moments that I want to savor, right? And these are moments that life is really created for is to have community. And I do approach life from a from a a, like a like a lens of hope because what else do you have in this world? Like if you don't have hope, give my sight. You know, it's just like you either pity yourself or you live in that fear or you live in that like like whatever it is, doubt. And I'm like, again, it's still there. I'm not going to say it's not. I'm not going to say soy la santa o la perfecta que no tiene nada de esos pensamientos. Like, obviously. But I will say, like, I, I live in faith and I live in hope because that's just part of the community. That's part of where how I grew up. There was moments where we didn't think we were going to make it. We are like, but we're going we're gonna to have hope. We're going to pray. We're going to, like, just work towards something better. It's, 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 it's a... It's a testament, I think, to to the resilience, right? And that that's a tricky word because it, it requires mm-hmm. adversity to happen in order for you to to be tested against it to to prove something. That being said, where there's where there's a, a will, there's a way, right? That's a statement that gets tossed around a lot. And and when you sit down and really contemplate and reflect on the things that that you saw your parents do whether you understood it in the moment or not. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that in the moment that those things happened, chances are you didn't understand it. You were too young. But you, you were watching examples of uh, humans overcoming adverse situations and conditions with the hope for the future, right? Because a lot of the things that they did wasn't for them. We didn't know that. We didn't. We didn't understand it. We can contemplate that because they're parents and they have rules and they're strict. And and we can't. Why can't I Hella do this? Strict. Why can't I have not that? even not even just strict? They're Latino strict. That's exactly. Different. And, and 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 there's <laughs> I'm so like, no many. one understands. There's so many degrees there, but that being said, they're they're doing these things so that years down the line, you can you can sit here, reflect and and know that. And I think the great tragedy is that. There's not enough people situated like you are who have taken time to to reflect on that journey, on on what their parents did so that you can do the things that you do in life, right? A lot of times we still feel like we're owed something from the world. And your parents gave you that when they gave you life. Like that's the, and and then fed you for the first couple of months until you could start to walk and, and feed yourself. And then at that point, it's on you. And so I, I, I think again, it, it's the, the brilliance of 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 us as a as a community is that we still look to the best things in life, even in the worst conditions, in the oppressive situations, in in uh, racist or or um, judgmental or prejudiced uh, occurrences. We we find a way to carry ourselves the best we can moving forward, knowing that it paves the way for other ones that, that, that are connected to us that are coming after. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's something that, that it, it's taken me a really long time to, to figure out. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the whole arc of my life, I'm finally like, I should have probably figured this out years ago, but I wasn't, I wasn't a parent that I wasn't a parent then. So it, it didn't, makes sense did your parents ever tell you did your parents ever say that to you all the time all the time (laughs) 
Oh my, I think about that all the time because I've heard so many people say that, like I understood once I had kids and I'm like, oh my God, my mom said that to me all the time. She's like, vas a ver, yeah. cuando tengas hijos, cuando sea mamá, vas a ver. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we get it. <laughs> and maybe that's true. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll get there one day, but I think like you brought up something interesting of it's taken you a while, right? To get to that point where you can really reflect on that journey. And this is, and this is why I have this podcast, right? And this is why I ask the questions that I ask, especially starting with your parents' immigration story, because once we really understand where we came from, like my dad always says this thing, he says, Nunca sabrá donde vas, si no sabes de donde vienes, mm -hmm. which is the most accurate statement, right? Like you'll never know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. And I think that goes deep of like where your ancestry is from, where your culture is from, where your parents came from, how they came here and how they gave you the life that they gave you. And I think once we know that story, we can really like channel that their power, their resilience, and we can really just understand not just like who we are, but why, why they did all the things that they did growing up. There were so many things where I'm like, man, why they, ne they never let me go out ever, like nunca. And then I just understood, right? I'm like, okay. They didn't want me to be esa niña traviesa that was just like, you know, because we saw too many people in, in, in our hood, like, señorita is getting pregnant really quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so my parents were like, mm, they like grabbed onto me. They're like, nope, <laughs> no, no te me salgas. <laughs> but I mean, again, it's just their perspective, but they, they wanted us to prioritize education and like have the opportunities, right, that we can have in Honduras. So for them, it was like understanding why. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's again. It, your father is 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 brilliant with that statement because at, at some point, it, it's gonna make sense. Uh, one of the things that I try to do now in in my approach to life, because I, I work with youngsters, I'm in education, so I, I work with the young generation uh, coming into the colleges, and you know, I try to give them advice. I try to give them life advice, and and I know that a lot of times I'm talking at concepts that they can't quite comprehend yet. And so I, I always end my conversations with them and I say, some of this is not gonna make sense to you right now, but at some point between now and the future, something is gonna occur where these words are gonna come back up in your memory and you're gonna go, that's what he meant. And so much of what our parents did with us and for us and to us was with that in mind is, prepping us for the things that were going to happen later on that we couldn't possibly comprehend because our young reckless selves don't understand consequences quite like parents do, right? If, if your parents had you young, right, then of course they're going to not want their young daughter or son to go into a situation where they become a parent young because then you miss out on the opportunity to enjoy your youth. You miss out on an opportunity to set your life up the way you want. But now you at 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, you don't understand that because all you want to do is have fun, right? The world is this magical, mysterious place that you need to go investigate and, and conquer. And your parents are going, it is those things, but it's also these other things. And it's these other things that we, we're, we're trying to protect you from because if we don't, you're going to end up replicating the things that we had to go through and we're trying to avoid that. Uh, same chapter yeah but but who gets that no that but no yeah we're not going to understand it at a young age and I think for me one of the things that was really helpful for me is just learning about their story the more I learned about where they came from the more I learned about them as humans 
And that's, and that's the key, right? It's like looking at your parents as the superheroes they are, they may be, but looking at them as humans, like they were just human beings trying to figure out life in a new country they had no idea about and give us the life that we have now Mm -hmm. may not be the most glamorous life, but we have a great life because of them. And so the more I ask questions about where they, where they came from, like, like, papi, how was your childhood? You know, mommy, how was, how was your, you know, like talk to me about your mom, you know, like, let me talk about these parts of my history. Like they're parts of my history. Right. And like learning about their story. And I just learned so much about why they are the way that they are. Yeah. And once you learn that, you realize this is why they parent the way they parent. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I, I think the, the way you test that, because right, I've, I've long been curious about how do you touch the the essence of what your your parents or your elders' young life was? Like if, if you didn't have access to pictures and you don't have access to internet or, or film or video, because they, they didn't really back then, right? You have some black and white pictures kicking around in a photo album somewhere and they're probably yellow right now. But... Oh, exactly. My thought... It's like a little sepia. It, it is, sepia, yeah. A little sepia it. tone, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it looks like a filter got applied to the picture. Yeah, it looks like a, like a filter, yeah. <laughs> but my thought is, what, what if we took a trip back now as, you know, as the human that we are in this moment and, and go to that place where they grew up, right? And it might be different, obviously, from, from you know, the 1940s, the 1950s, the 1960s, but it, 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 the essence of a space still remains. So you go back to that place and, and see what the, what the echo of, of memory is there. You know, I, I do believe that, that, that um, material, physical objects get imbued with, with the essence of, of a people, right? The essence of a story. Um, and I, I think there's a term for that. It's called uh, like echokinesis, where you can touch an, an item and and feel the imprint of whoever's held that item before or their, their spirit or their energy or something. So go back to where your parents grew up and, and see what happens. There, there's going to be a physical reaction. And, and I'll tell you why, and, and you can probably relate to this, I had been going to Puerto Rico uh, since I was born, but when I had developed a, a, an opportunity to have like a critical consciousness, a, a, like a, an ability to think critically about my place in the world, and then I went back to Puerto Rico and I stepped off the plane, there was a physical reaction in my body that felt good. It felt like a hug. And so I attributed to Puerto Rico was hugging me for coming back home. Kind of like when you come home and mommy hugs you and gives you a kiss and you know you give vessels all around. Like there's there's something legitimate about that. You know, some people may be listening and going, you're crazy. There you need to pay attention to it because it's real easy to overlook. But go to places where the people that you cared about used to exist in one point in time and see what it does to you. And and I promise you you're gonna get a flash of what it was that your parents' life was um, and maybe potentially connect to them on a, on a, on a deeper you know, level uh, beyond just stories that get told because now it's a feeling that's internal that, that you can access. That is so beautiful. And honestly, you know, I haven't been back to Honduras and 
I've actually been waiting for my parents to get their citizenship. And yeah, they're, they're about, my dad's like 58 and my mom's 63. And my mom just got her citizenship like invitation to do the ceremony. I'm like, yes. Like, so we have that Tuesday. So she's, she's like so happy. And my dad's process is going to take a little longer. But one of the things that she mentioned, this was a couple hours ago. She was like, now I can finally go back to Honduras. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, we're going to go, we're going to go. And it's going to be beautiful and we can visit family. And she's just like over the moon, but to wait, she came here when she was 30 to wait about 33 years to finally say I can go back home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the immigrant experience, right? In a nutshell. I mean, but it's, it's such a true statement and it sucks that, that this is the life that, that, that we have to live where, where people need to wait because of rules and regulations to visit a place with fear of not being able to come back to a place that doesn't want you in the first place. Like there's, there's, that's the, what do you call that? It's a weird, it's a weird balance. It's a weird psychology, <laughs> uh, 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 psychology of the abused or something along those lines. But it's, it's, it's interesting because we live in a place that we said, or we believed offered a, a, a dream. We came here and it was anything, but it's still marketed as a dream, but it's, it's not, it, it's, it's, it's a kick in the teeth is, is what it is. But people still put value to, to being here. Okay, I get that. I understand it. I, there's, there's differences living in the U.S. than there are in living in the rest of the world. But to not be able to go home. And there's, there, when, when home was a good memory, when home was, was just even an integral part of, of your upbringing, and 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 core to to who you are as a person right that human that, that that you mentioned at the beginning is why do we exist in a world that does this to us and allow it to continue and i think our, our young generation right now is actively fighting that battle um to to change those things around and and we're moving closer um but i just i'm, I'm sitting here now thinking about your mom going back to the country of her birth as as an older woman and seeing all the things that have changed but being able to see all the things that remain the same and how amazing that's going to be for her and we should all have access to 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 that opportunity you know and and for those of us that were born in other countries right because some of us are born here but still feel deeply connected to those other places i was born in 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 brooklyn in new york but i i tell you when i go to puerto rico that feels more like home than 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 new york in 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 many cases and and it's because of the that embrace that i got i want to say i was like 11 or 12 when i stepped off the plane and i knew that like this was this was home so god bless i can't i can't wait for her to do that that's gonna be awesome Oh man, I, I'm I'm just blessed to be a part of that trip with her. So I'll let you know how it goes. But you know, we 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 really went into this conversation and this is so beautiful with you because we are just like connected, aligned in all in all aspects. So it's beautiful that we could just jump into these conversations. And I wanna backtrack a little bit and hear more about your story. But at first I wanna you you mentioned it a couple of times, but how do you identify and why? Yeah, awesome. So <laughs> um 
We really just jumped we in for did. like 30 minutes. Like, let's we have did. a deep conversation, which I love. I love. <laughs> Look, it's, it's beautiful. It's it's authentic. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it, it speaks to like just how we just get to the heart of the matter with none of the, the, the pomp yes. and circumstance. So um, if you would ask me that question uh, a couple of years ago, uh, young me would have been like, man, I'm New Yorican, son. That's That was my identity hardcore and and i i led with that um uh, other people would say you know you're a brooklyn puerto rican um but new yorican i think cuts to what my experience coming up has been because i've always loved and had an affinity for the islands of puerto rico mm-hmm. that being said professional me will say oh i'm, I'm latinx or latino <laughs> and you know that's terminologies that i use in specific spaces. So like I said, the professional space, because people are trying to comprehend how to approach you, how to work with you, and in some cases, how much racism they can get away with, um, they'll, they'll ask that question. So, you know, I'll lead with, I am considered Latinx by, you know, current usage of that term. But like many folks like myself, I think we default to the homeland. Right. So my friends, uh, my, my Dominican brothers, right, if, if you ask them, they're not Latinx. Somos Dominicano. Estamos aquí en la cosa. Right. And so that, that was my attempt at Dominican accent. Damn, you sounded hella Dominican, though. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've been around them a long time. So but but yeah. we identify first with with the homeland, the, the place that, you know, mm-hmm. some of us were born at uh, or for many of us who our parents were definitely born at. So. So I would say yeah. New Yorican first. Uh, you know, if they, if there was an order, New Yorican, Puerto Rican. No, New Yorican son. Gotta gotta have yeah, the son. New Yorican son. <laughs> um, Puerto Rican. Oh, he had a pause too. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You, you got because the son carries some of that attitude, and and we talk about like New York has an implicit, you know, little. A little shimmy with it, so swag. When you Had say, a little swag, a little sazon of its a, own. A little bit, a little bit. So when you say sun, like people need to know what you mean, like sun. So I tiene. So yeah, so New Yorican. Uh, <laughs> to answer to long answer to your question, New Yorican, but Latinx uh, for the for the educated crowd that that runs around in that in those circles. Yeah, and and you talked about that upbringing in Brooklyn. You know, I you got to educate me and the audience on just New York culture. I'm sure like I've heard, I'm not from New York. I don't know a lot about New York, but my friends from New York, it was so funny. I was on this call and I had like, eran todos dominicanos and they were all from New York and they were all from different boroughs of New York. Mm -hmm. I know there was a whole borough battle. I didn't know. I didn't know that was a thing, but there was one from Brooklyn, one from my Manhattan and then one from the Bronx. And yes. they were all like saying, we're the best borough because of both. And I'm just like listening, like, wow, like San Diego don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> all we got is Southeast Diego. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I think, you know, when I when I tried to make heads and tails of it uh, the last time we spoke, uh, I tried to give you a sense of like the different districts that exist in San Diego. So, you know, how old yeah, town you did. You did. is different from gas lamp is different from like the zoo area is different from the, mm-hmm. um, the area right, right around the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Where the Padres play. Yeah. Right. The Chargers used mm-hmm. to play there, but now the Padres uh, play there. Yeah. Petco park. So beautiful. Like San Diego is beautiful. Uh, 
Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, but the but the five boroughs <laughs> the five boroughs will always be locked in eternal mortal combat for bragging rights uh to to what they bring to the world. Um Manhattan, you know, is is mostly looked at as the capital of the universe because of the financial center, because of Times Square, because of Broadway. Um, so you know, against the world backdrop, yes, the Bronx carries with it a, a legacy of, of war and battle um, because, you know, politics here tried to basically rub it off the map and turn it into a, a, a white haven. Um, they lost that battle. Um, and then Brooklyn, you know, keeps showing up and, and telling everybody, like, we've been here since day one representing and, <laughs> and, and, and of all of the boroughs is probably the most diverse in terms of its makeup of people and communities and, and people just being together and stuff. And so, um, yeah. And, and there's two other boroughs, uh, Staten Island and Queens who are like the little brother and sister that, that nobody really talks about. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we fight for I, have, I really don't hear about them. So that's funny. <laughs> you don't. And, and, you know, but, but again, what's interesting is like when you look at it, so, you know, Brooklyn for a long time was a, a landing spot for uh, Puerto Ricans, um, Cubans, Dominicans. Then the Bronx became another landing spot for, for Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. Spanish Harlem was definitely a landing spot for Puerto Ricans, you know, uh, and, and much like Chicago has, I believe it's called Humboldt Park, where there's a huge Puerto Rican community out there. Spanish Harlem is that in in Manhattan, um, so we're like we're we're distributed throughout, and, and certainly we have larger numbers in certain areas. But but in terms of the boroughs, you know what happens is, if you show up to a party, right? Like let's just say you're at a party and it's all Puerto Ricans in the party, you're gonna you're gonna go ahead and, and identify by which borough. So Bronx Puerto Ricans, Brooklyn Puerto Ricans mm. will look at each other like, what? And is there a difference? <sighs> Would you say here, like, I'm going to get in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the difference, I think, is just in, in terms of how we perceive how other people should receive us. Right. So like the Bronx will probably mm. say they're the most gangster and, and they're ready to get it clapping in a moment's notice. And certainly that has proven to be true throughout history. Like Bronx, they, they, they get it clapping quickly um, for good mm -hmm. and or bad. Um, Brooklyn shows up and, and like, they're not going to shy away from, from the stuff. So like, if it goes down, they'll, they'll, they'll be there to make it happen. Manhattan, there's more like the party scene. Like if it's going to get rough, they'd rather go to another party, you know, that they'll, they'll yeah. leave and go someplace <laughs> else. However, Harlem yeah. folks will definitely stick around and see what's, what's popping off. And, and if they have to get into the mix and Queens of Staten mm -hmm. Island very rarely show up. Because they, they're so far away, they don't even come to the party. They, they're the people that say, I'll be there in a little bit, but they're still in their house, you know, chilling on the couch. <laughs> um, so, and I'll probably get... So they missed the whole party. They missed the whole party. <laughs> and, you know, some people might take exception to what I'm saying, but uh, it is, I've lived it, I've been around it, and so that's mostly mm -hmm. true. But how is... Okay, so I'm curious what your experience... And, I, you know, I hear a lot about the Dominican experience in Bronx, right? Because I've had a lot of folks from there um, talk about the, you know, growing up in Washington Heights and like what that was like for them. But I haven't had a Puerto Rican talk about their experience growing up 
in Brooklyn or in New York? You know, what does it mean for you being New Yorkican? What does that entail for you? How was your upbringing in, in New York? And how did it make you who you are today? I know it's a loaded question, but just kind of curious, like how you grew up. Yeah. I mean, you know, the beautiful thing is I think there's there's a couple of authors right now who are um, really putting the, that experience of leaving the islands and coming to New York and, and the jarring cultural experience that that is. Um, and a lot of it just comes down to the coldness of, of the city versus the warmth of, of the island, you know? And so that holds true across Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, Cubans, uh, uh, you know, and then our other brethren that, you know, uh, Colombiano, uh, uh, El Salvadorian, Panamanian, Honduran, like we, we all have that sense of coming from a warm, beautiful, tropical in some uh, places, space with single story houses to now this overcrowded, dirty, cold winter, uh, um, living, breathing space because, because New York is a living, breathing space. And the second you, you, you come, uh, and land in her, in her area, she, she lets you know that she's present. And I refer to New York as a woman and she's a very tough woman, by the way. But, um, so for me, you know, coming up in, in New York, it's buildings, it's, it's, it's neighborhoods that are, you know, seven, 10, 14, 25 story buildings. It's, it's blocks. It's, you know, where the park is. Um, and there's probably three or four trees between you and, and the, and the park. Whereas in Puerto Rico, the park is right across the street. It's around the corner. It's, it's the block over, like the park is everywhere. And in some cases, if you're lucky, the beach is also across the street. There's green everywhere. It's, it's a, it's a palm tree. Like the, this tree that looks like no other tree, right? Like the the long bark leading to the to the to the palmas up on top with the coconuts and like it's it, it lets you know you're in a different place. So I think for me the the distinction was like this cold gritty city where you know you you, you use the term you cut your teeth. Yeah, yeah, you did because you fell down on concrete and if you hit your mouth you cut your teeth. Right. You, you also cut open your skin. And so I make a I make a an, an analogy to to my to my buddy, Jerry, in, in one of my podcast episodes that like when you fell in a New York City street and you cut yourself open, New York found its way into you. The, 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 the dirt, the grime, the, the gravel, it's mm. it's in your blood. And so it becomes a, a part of, of how you carry yourself. And then you go to Puerto Rico and people are feeding you people are taking care of you you know they, their consciousness their energy is entering your body a different way through nourishment through through mm. ese amor right so when 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 mm. grandma or tío abuelo or somebody gives you a pastel right or rice and beans or a chuleta you're not only eating this food you're eating the love that went into that being made and so now that's entering your body and so you got to find this this equilibrium inside and, and a lot of that is is indicative of the battle that we fight the duality of our identity am i am i american right because i was born here or am i puerto rican honduran colombian mexican uruguayan like because that's the part that i identify so strongly with because all of the artifacts in my house right are are not pictures of the 45 presidents of the united states 
It's Jesus on a cross. It's the Last Supper. It's a fork and a knife, right? It's it's a dove, um, and then flags of our nations, right? And in Dominican household, it was also a picture of Trujillo that they had to have for for a long time. Um, that dichotomy, I think, is 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 where we spend a lot of our life trying to figure out who we are. So for me, New Yorkian does that. It, it, it describes the New York, right? New York Rican. And then the Rican part of me, which is like, I'm from Puerto Rico. You know, that that's in my blood. So I have the ability to love, but, you know, if if, if things turn ugly, then, then we can... Go and pop we off. Can, we, can, <laughs> we can move some furniture. That's fine. oh my god man that if that isn't the first generation experience i don't know what is that's that's powerful and you just like living in that duality is so real it's so real and you mentioned something earlier of like you identify with the country you're from right and like for me i always say like i'm proud latina but i always say like I'm also Honduran, like mm-hmm. a proud Honduran, like una hondureña 100% catracha. You know, I'm always, I'm always repping it because there's, and someone mentioned it on my podcast, like he sees it as flavors. And I love that reference. It's like, what's your, what's your Latino and Latina flavor? Yeah. And it's like, Ooh, I like that because we do, right. We all have a lot of the same like ways of living and looking at life, but there's also, we got different flavors. You know, but, the, the Caribbean experience is going to be different from Central America and the yes. Central American experience is going to be different from South America. And, you know, just we live in this beautiful, like mosaic of culturas. And that to me is like my favorite part of being Latina. Cause I'm like, we all got different like ways of living and like, we all say different things. Like we were just talking about it earlier, right? Like both and tú, you usted and, and even like your accent is going to be different than mine. Yes. And like, and that paired with like where we're from, you know, the Southeast San Diego experience is going to be really different from the New York experience. And you break it down right from boroughs. You're like, I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah. Like that's a whole different experience. It is. <laughs> and, but, you know, to, to, to your point and, and to the point of, of your previous guest, you know, the, where would we be if we didn't have flavors? Like think about think about if, if everywhere you went, stuff was the same. Why would you ever go anywhere else? Right. And, and so whether it's food, whether it's it's art, you know, whether it's it's how we dress, how we talk, it's it's those those nuances that that make life the, the beautiful thing that it is. You know, and, and, and I think here's the secret. Like I, I, I was thinking about this conversation that we were going to have. And, and like if there was a, a like a message that, that I was going to you know have. Um, it would have been this. Part of my approach to to life, you know, is is rooted in my identity. But there's a piece of it that is rooted in who that I'm going to say five years old boy was, right? Because at five years old, you start to develop an opportunity to look at the world and 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 start to make connections and all this kind of stuff. So for me, it's like that five year old version of me was inspired by the magic of the world that I was existing in and and like how was I going to impact that and so mm. I still retain that sense of wonder about the world the the only difference right now is that I'm a little bit more educated about how to move 
so that if I am invited to mm. dinner in my uh, Colombian friend's house, I'm going to understand that the food that I'm going to be served there, while similar to what I've eaten in my Puerto Rican house, there's going to be some differences. And I, I need to appreciate that. Right? And if I go to Mexico, right, it's, it's going it's to be similar but different. And, and, and that's what's going to make life exciting. Similarly to if I go to Scotland or Brazil or, you know, the United Arab Emirates, it's going to be different, but it's, it's going to be something that I'm going to sit down there and I want to, I want to taste that culture, right? So whether it's through the food, whether it's through how uh, people speak to each other, how they move around in space, what they put up as like uh, artifacts of, of, of who we are. And that's the stuff that makes life fun. You know, and so that that mm -hmm. that flavor, that and that's even how the it, music, the dance, all of it, everything. I mean, it's just it's just beautiful. Yes. Like I always look at it, it's just like it's beautiful. And like my my dream is to to really just like see it all in one space, to see this like mosaic of culturas, right? Like be in one space and like playing punta, which Honduras dance, and like bachata and salsa, merengue, you know, like mambo de todo. Like, I just want to see it all yeah. in one, in one spot. And I'm like, that would be like the most lit party <laughs> <laughs> with all these diferentes sabores, comida, like that would just be so beautiful. It's, but, it, but you know, it you exists know. though. Right. So let's say, you mm -hmm. know, we intermarry, right. A, a Dominican marries a Cuban, mm -hmm. uh, a Puerto Rican marries an Ecuadorian. Like you get to these places where you have, you know, a sweet 16 uh, uh, or quinceañera, right? We we now have artists that know, I'm going to play the classics, right? So we're going to go from Selena to Daddy Yankee to Bad Bunny to El Gran Combo de Puerto Rico to Eddie Santiago. Like, that stuff is going to happen. And so we, we exist in spaces where this thing happens. The problem is that the rest of the world doesn't necessarily have an appreciation for what that is. Because they're so determined to keep us separated and and keep us at odds with each other, you know. And and I think that's one of the hallmarks of my experience is when you look at Puerto Ricans, you go, this is a, a a people that that have citizenship in the United States, and and so that's that's been one of the 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 differences of of that experience versus that of other immigrant families who have to wait thirty years to get a, a citizenship or a green card or a visa or that kind of stuff. And so that's caused a lot of strife, right? It's, it's caused problems because people look at Puerto Ricans like you, you, you think you got everything now, but that citizenship came at a cost. Mm. That citizenship came as a result of the United States army having to draft more people to die in their wars that they fought in other countries. So there's blood on that citizenship. Right, there's blood on the hands mm -hmm. of, of the U.S. government, and 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 to this day they continue to try to kill us, and and that you know that's a whole other episode. But when you look at like how we're kept apart, when to your point, like there's more beauty in us coming together to to bring la mm -hmm. la arte, la comida, the fashion, the all of these things, um, and that's the that's the day that I'm holding out hope for. So yeah, we'll see. You know, I I had another question for you about your story, but I love. You're, if you're down, if you're open to this, if you're comfortable, I'd love to spend like 
five minutes where you like do a quick education on those who don't know about the Puerto Rican experience and knowing that they do have a citizenship citizenship here in the U.S. But that that history between the U.S. and Puerto Rico, if you can give us like a five minute like synopsis, like, listen, this is what you got to know yeah. about what it means. Yeah. So I, and I'll try to make it comical. But in the beginning, there was nothing. And then God made Puerto Rico. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. So <laughs> once upon a time, uh, indigenous Puerto Rico existed. And on, on the archipelago, because Puerto Rico has three islands, um, Culebra and Vieques are the other two smaller ones that are a part of, of that uh, that country. So the, the Arawak, the Taino, and the Carib indigenous folks lived there. And then Spain came. And Spain unleash the first wave of colonization upon Puerto Rico. And that's where the language of Spanish comes into Puerto Rico. And so Spain did everything they could to suppress local custom, culture, all that kind of stuff, and introduced disease and weapons and all this kind of stuff. And so for a long time, Puerto Rico was colonized by the Spaniards. And if you look at history, the Spaniards weren't exactly the nicest people on the planet. Mm-mm. Fast forward a couple of years later, the global theater shifts and the balance of power um, as the United States is rising to becoming a world power and trying to solidify its, its position and starts looking for strategic outposts on, on this side of, of the country and, and actually on the other side of the country as well. But in Cuba, you had communist foothold. In Dominican Republic, you had communist relations but they were still doing their own thing. Um, mm-hmm. And and so the U.S. looked at Spain and said, you're going to give us Puerto Rico. Um, and that was because they wanted to have the door into the Caribbean. They wanted to be able to protect that entrance. And Spain wasn't interested in fighting with the U.S. Our military might at that point was, was unbelievable. And so Spain ceded control of Puerto Rico to the United States. And then the United States rolled in and rather than just show up and and like we're here to take over, they were then with weapons, with the army, with with their with their media, with with their industry, and change stuff in such a way that they said you're you're part of the Americas now, you're our property, and so um, we're gonna treat you as such. And then starts the long uh, the taxation. The implementation of of industry, the, the the bringing of technology and medicine and healthcare under the guise of healthcare, but really practicing on our on our women, you know, forced sterilization, Operation Bootstrap, these these things that were harming uh, the people of Puerto Rico, uh, the Jones mm-hmm. Act, um, the, the the inability of Puerto Ricans to actually fight for their independence and identity to the point that you would get jailed forever. If you showed the Puerto Rican flag, and and so that the the reason one of the reasons why Puerto Ricans show their flag all the time is because there was an actual rule that prevented us from having or demonstrating or showing the flag, and if you did, you'd go to jail with no trial. And so now, as you look at at the at the at the global community, Puerto Rico is currently fighting for its identity because we're being lost under the heel of American colonialism because it's denying our identity. The the true Boricua is being lost, right? And 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 in that sense, 
you know, can I say that I'm a true Boricua? I wasn't born on the island. You know, I certainly was raised there for some of my life. But like the people that were born there who have the historical legacy of, of generations of families being there are being lost under the uh, U.S. culture. And so right now there's a fight for for reclaiming our, our heritage, which has been lost to the time before Spain got there. So all Puerto Rico has been is a colony. Wow. That's five minutes of, of uh, Puerto Rican history. No, we, we need to know. And like, this is the beautiful thing of like, when we, when our community rallies together, I think that's where the power really comes in back to our point, right. Of having a big, big ass Latino blog party. But I think like, it goes back to just the power of coming together, the power of togetherness, especially for Latinos, because like, I I've seen a lot of this history. I read upon like Puerto Rican history, but never really from your, from a person's lens, like this is really what's going on. In five minutes, too, I'm like, you did a, an amazing job. <laughs> Thanks. Thank but, you. But, oh, no, I just have a whole new appreciation for it. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for giving us yeah. that little lesson. And I just encourage everyone listening and even for myself to look more into it and see how we can be part of that fight, right? Yeah. Part of that journey. And and to, to, to speak a little bit quickly about, like, people look at the Puerto Rican flag. There's there's actually two versions of the flag. And, and I bring this up only because it, it shows the brotherhood. The original Puerto Rican flag is a blue bar, a red bar, bisected with a white cross. And if you look at the Dominican flag, it's a blue-red bar, a, a red and blue bar, bisected by the cross. So the original Puerto Rican flag mirrors the Dominican's flag because it was a show of solidarity. Years later, it got updated, and it's an inverse of the Cuban flag's colors. And so again, uh, you know, we took a, a page from our brothers and sisters and 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 created this flag because Cuba was also trying to uh, claim its freedom, you know, from communist rule and all that kind of stuff. And so Puerto Rico's flags reflect its relationship with you know Dominican Republic and Cuba in terms of like how we look at that. So like, there's Puerto Ricans that don't know that. Wow. Like, oh no, it's our flag. It's wow. No, our flag is definitely mirrors the Dominican flag and the Cuban flag um, because because of the historical wow. fight against oppression, colonialism and all that kind of stuff. So, That's I didn't know that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that little knowledge, that gem of knowledge. Yeah. But wow. Yeah. So we, we got to we got to stop hating but... each other. That's that's <laughs> long story short. Like that. No, I think it's that, though. We really need to stop hating each other. There's so much. And I always talk about this. You know, there's a lot of nationalism in in Latinidad. And like a part of it to me is like it doesn't need to go away. You need, we can have pride in where we come from, you know, but it's also having having that compassion for for our brothers and sisters, as you put it. Right. Yes. Because. I think again, there's there's just power in togetherness and like nothing, not everything has to be a competition. At the end of the day, we were all oppressed. Yes. Like, all of us. Yes. Every single one of us. <laughs> and my dad always says, you know, he's like, we he's like, we we've like we've suffered so much. Like all of our ancestors, right? Like los españoles vino, he always says the stories. Los españoles vino, nos quitaron la tierra, el oro. Y nos, no así como maltrataron nuestras mujeres y, yes. y se fueron. Yeah. Y nos dejaron con enfermedades, con esto. And I'm like, it's, that's the most honest thing, you know? And like, yeah. my dad always says he's super proud of being like, having indigenous roots. He's like, yo soy 100% catracho. 
and my mom mestiza you know my mom has a lot of like mixes and like probably like a lot of us do but it's just real it's real interesting how even our people like my dad he has so much pride in being honduran because he knows like we've been through a lot yeah and that's what that's what our countries have like that's the nationalism it's like we they know their history they know their ancestry they know they've been through hell and back yeah and one thing that this cuban shout out to to jessica she was on my podcast this cuban woman from boston from miami originally from hialeah where all the cubans are at um but went to mit hella smart um jessica artiles was on my podcast but she said something that always stuck with me and i think about it every single time i have these episodes she said our people black and brown people are navigating the shit out of a world that was not created for them. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it. Like it looks like so easy, but it's difficult, it right? Absolutely Just is. make it look like, and like, I think about that all the time. I think about it with my parents. I think about it with the episodes that I have and like the conversations I have. I'm like, we our people are really out here just navigating the world. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and in a system, right. That was just not created it, for us. It was not created for us. It was not created by us. We had our own systems and, and they just got taken from us. And that, that's why I think, you know, mm. I'm really interested to see like if, if at some point in the future, science can actually go into your DNA and pull memories from, it's like a video game thing. There's a video game where they, they go into the DNA and, live past memory so let's let's see hopefully one day we we can we can get to that space let's do it yeah. create it create it but i i know we're we're at the hour and there's so much more conversation i want to have with you and if you like are open to it yes i'd love to just spend a couple more minutes to ask you some questions about your story because i do want to talk about the new Rican experience and just want to thank you for giving us some like puerto rican knowledge because again when we're aware when we learn these stories when we learn this history we can be more of an advocate and be more again together. So going back to your story, I want to know how you got to where you're at now. So, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, you're this kid, this little macho kid yeah, <laughs> who also has a soft side, right? That Puerto Rican side. How was it for you growing up as a first generation? I just want to know, like navigating those experiences, those dualities, like how was it for you growing up New Yorkian and really owning both of those identities? So I, you know, it's it's one of those things that you you don't think about as a kid because you're busy existing in the world of play, and and if you mm-hmm. if you watch children, they don't know color as a as a as a way of of not making friends. They don't look at language as a barrier. What what they're looking to do is play, and so I spent a lot of my my youth trying to play. It wasn't until I got to college that I really began to understand that being Puerto Rican carried with it a number of connotations. Now, I had heard stereotypes. I've experienced prejudice and racism, but I always brushed it off because that for, for, for us, sometimes that's what you have to do. You just got to ignore it and, and, and let it roll off your back. But I get to college and then I start to see that, that for people, white folks, that being Puerto Rican was not a, a, looked at as a good thing. Oh, you're Puerto Rican? And all of a sudden, like people didn't want to be my friend anymore. They don't want to talk to me or I wasn't invited to certain parties. And that's when it started to hit me like, oh, snap. But I had a professor, uh, Professor Florente Galvez. Uh, he was a, a black and Filipino man, professor of, of theater. Um, but he was, for me, where the revolution was galvanized. This was a, a man who was about black culture, 
Black Pride. Um, he was a he was a theater professor who who was really about understanding the the the, the feelings and the emotions and the sentiment. But he was also radical, like. You know, he introduced me to Langston Hughes. He introduced me to Sade. He introduced me to uh, mm. uh, uh, some some of. I love Sade. <laughs> she, she's magic, right? So she's magic. Yeah. Through him, I was able to start to look at my identity because he was like, "You need to be proud of being Puerto Rican," and and like I I had mm-hmm. been, but not necessarily aggressively proud. I was like, "Well, Puerto Rican yeah. parade proud." But with him, I learned that like there was something to my story. And then from that point forward, I started to move towards understanding like what does it mean to be a second class citizen or looked at as a second class citizen in a country where I was born? And why did that exist? And how did how did that be allowed to pass? And so then you start to read the books, you start to read the stories, you start to analyze your situation, and then you go, this isn't right. And um, what that led me to do was I wanted to enjoy and learn from every experience I was having as much as possible. So I, as a college student, I did everything possible. There was a trip. I went on it. There was an event. I went to it. There was people hanging out. I was in that space. Like, I was Mr. Big Man on campus because I showed up to all the things all the time, much to the detriment of my sleep schedule. But what that allowed me to do is get an appreciation of the world. It allowed me to understand, like, I was going to figure out how I was going to move despite how people wanted to put me in certain boxes. And then when it came to my career, I thought, like Professor Galvez, I was going to go into playwriting. I was going to go into acting. I was going to write about the Puerto Rican, New Yorkian experience in the United States. But that wasn't going to be my, my talent. Instead, I ended up becoming a college administrator. And there's a whole other story behind that. But long story short, there was a man who took interest in me and said to me, you can do this job that I do. He was he was a college administrator. He's like, and you're going to do it well. And I said, okay, I believe you. I trust you. And this, this was a white man. But he said, like, you can do this job. And I said, okay, I'm going to believe that. And because of him, I entered into a master's program. I started to learn the craft of higher education. And then I realized I can start to seed some of the things I learned over the course of my life because I was going to end up serving my community, which is why I work at the community colleges. I'm working with students that people are telling, you can't make it. You won't make it. I'm working with people that are coming back to prove people wrong. And so that's our people. Mm-hmm. Like Our story of the struggle is, a, is against people that are telling us that we cannot. And so who better to practice my craft with and, and do the work that I was called to do, which is inspire in students the sense of self whatever self they're going to claim i want them to be 100 percent that person as much as possible without having to apologize to anybody for that so if you want to be 100 percent puerto rican go if you're going to be 100 percent lesbian go if you're going to be 100 percent a club kid because that's your call go 100 percent an athlete go if your identity is going to be a combination of those things Bete, dale, pero 100% into that. You can't be 50% this, 50%. You're 100% those things all the time. It's just certain parts of you show up depending on the situation that you're at. So New York, Brooklyn, son, he shows up in some spaces. 
but educated, articulate, I'm going to speak to you about education and all that kind of, he shows up in a bunch of other places. But then the father in me shows up, you know, in other places. So like there's, there's a lot of nuance to, to our identities that, again, you can't put us in a box. People want you to check a box. We can't be put in a box because we can't exist in that one thing. I am New Yorkan, but I'm also a father. I'm a tío. I'm an uncle. I'm a cousin. I'm a friend. I'm a best friend. I'm an ex-lover. I'm a current boyfriend. I'm an ex-husband. Like all of these things exist in me. And and even parts of me that haven't lived those experiences, I've lived them with the people I've been around. So some of that lives in me too. And so so this so you know the New Yorkan identity is is certainly rooted in coming up in New York and coming up Boricua and 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 having those experiences but similar to what Dominican uh folks come into the US right New York like there's a there's a New York Dominican experience there's a New York Washington Heights Dominican experience there's a New York Bronx Dominican they, and they're not the same you know they may come from the same spot on 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 Dominican Republic but they're going to have different experiences where they land here but ultimately and i think we said this at the beginning is like our humanity connects us but our accents give us the flavor our colors give us the flavor you know the same way you add um sazon adobo and the the, the meat goes from its flesh color to this orange color like that's what we do we add color to all of the things and it all tastes good we do we do man we add all the flavor <laughs> I that's so beautiful and I I love that and I know that you also I'd love for you to talk about your podcast because I know you also have a podcast that talks about this experience as well. Yes, yes, thank you for that. Um the Brooklyn Knights podcast. Represent. Uh <laughs> it it came together. The Brooklyn Knights. Yes, cuz so Brooklyn Knight is the term for people that live in Brooklyn. Brooklyn Knight, right? Like you have um uh Californians, uh New Yorkers, you have Brooklyn Knights are is the term that they use for people from Brooklyn but we we've the Brooklyn Knights like guys in in armor um because we've fought some battles on these streets and so our podcast is about honoring what it was to come up in Brooklyn as Puerto Ricans who who were by coastal i guess like you know we had one foot firmly in in Brooklyn streets and one foot firmly in the beaches of Puerto Rico and and we talk about what that coming up was between the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s and now. Um because there's there's some folks here whose stories have not been told, right? Who's been largely overlooked. So uh, street hustlers, street pharmacists, uh mechanics, club kids, break dancers, graffiti artists, we honor those people by telling the story of how they've impacted and shaped our lives and 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 looking at them through the lens of This is the real true lived experience of people. We're not judging it, right? When you had to hustle to live, we're just honoring that you existed and want people to know the story. And so right now, it's just me and my partner uh, Jerry uh, doing the broadcast, but once we get a a better sense of of our flow because we're still relatively new, we're going to start to bring some of the guests on that are going to reflect that. Um life uh, on these streets. So yeah, we're we're excited about it and uh so, you know, please check us out uh Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of this stuff, we're there. All of it. Love it. Love it. And I I just I just appreciate you so much and just all the knowledge you dropped in this hour hour or so like all of the things that I think are just important for our community to know and just parts of your story that need to be out there, right? Yes. And no, like thank you. That's 
that's the beautiful thing I think about about our culture too is that we're just natural storytellers in my opinion yes like we just we just have an innate gift to tell stories and to just have these stories out there in the world and my my only goal is just to capture it and to archive it and to keep it on the internet forever (laughs) as long as podcasts are out there yes but i just appreciate you and i i'm curious how can people connect with you how can they learn more about you yeah they learn more about your podcast and all of that awesome so we are at um bkny podcast on instagram um we are at uh, a tribe called at a tribe called ness on on twitter um and instagram uh we're on the like i said we're, we're on the uh, podomatic uh, uh podcast service right now um that's that's our hosting site um but if you type in brooklyn nights the podcast we're going to show up somewhere and then just just reach out to us uh, via email bknypodcast at gmail.com um and listen to the show and and you know listen to hella latina and and we'll show up there and then you know we'll connect through all Aista. of this stuff <laughs> there you go there you go but the last thing we do on hello latino is we close with the virtual brindis and i know we do it with a cafecito i don't know what you're drinking right now i know it's late for you i'm, ha- I'm having water I, I, I'm, it's it's been a- all right you know i'm gonna have some water too okay. because i've been drinking hella coffee so aquí tengo so let's close with the virtual cheers and you know what I really like doing here? I think there's there's power in putting words out there and you know manifesting. I know there's a big talk right now, it's a big trend, but more than that, I think it's powerful to to put it out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Cuando my parents always say cuando lo, lo profesas, you know when you say it, like Dios hace la magia, you know, like he does everything else. And so whatever you believe in, I think there's just power in putting it out there and just working toward it every day. So yes. With all that being said, <laughs> with all that being said, let's close with the virtual cheers and manifest some good for our comunidad. Uh, so I'd love to give you the space to give you just like a moment to say what you want to cheers to and what you want to manifest. Yeah. So um, para todo, toda mi gente latina uh, listening to to this wonderful podcast, you know, here and, and wherever life finds you, um, your past does not define your future. And so work hard to find who you were meant to be. Um, and increasingly, you're going to learn that that discovery is inside. No one outside of you can tell you who you are and who you're meant to be. And so my hope, my prayer for you is that you find the strength, the conviction, and the power to discover that person and be them 100% to the maximum. God bless you. Mm. Bendición. That sounds like a bendición yes. to me. <laughs> yes. Cheers. Y, y, que, y que Dios me lo bendiga. Y que Dios me lo bendiga. Ya, ya terminó. <laughs> que más bendición que esta. That's my mom always says. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's, it's one of the best things in life. Asking for la bendición just it just it puts the it puts the the, the prayer on the other side. It makes everything complete. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you. much. Yo, this whole episode was a reminder to me that nuestra gente are just 
not just dope, but we are natural storytellers. Hope y'all learned a little something from Ness. Connect with him on IG at BKNY Podcast or A Tribe Called Ness. And connect with him on LinkedIn as well. Next week's episode is featuring an Emmy award-winning anchor for Univision. She is an amazing woman, Fernanda Kelly, who is building her incredible brand called Mitak, which stands for Not Your Typical Average Queen. In case you missed it, get your 15% off Dragos game by using Hello Latina at checkout. And see y'all next week for more cafecito and cheesemen. Check out my new IG page at Hello Latino Podcast. Follow me on Twitter and find me on LinkedIn. And check out my website, odalisjasmine.com. Con mucho amor, tu amiga Andureña. And stick around to hear from my sponsor and partner, Chris Gates, co-founder of Rizon. Mi gente, what's up? This is Chris Gates. I had the pleasure of being Odalis' guest in the Cuba Through My Eyes episode of this amazing podcast. Today, I want to invite you to a free month's membership to my startup, Rise On. Founded by two first-gen Latinos, Rise On is like taking a Zumba class for your mental and emotional health. Our mission is to build humans from the inside out, and we help first-gen folks just like you to grow and to heal. So whether you're struggling with life's challenges or just thirsty for a community to help you grow, Rise On is for you. Every week, we create a space for mindful introspection in community. That's what you get when you mix mindfulness, journaling, coaching, and vulnerable conversations. It's a space to be seen authentically, to develop self-awareness and build inner skills alongside a group of inspiring peers. Our goal is to help you to tap into your own power consistently, to find perspective, clarity, and direction anytime you need it. Over the past two years, we've designed hundreds of experiences for our clients to do just this. These are entrepreneurs and young professionals who trace their roots to some 20 countries. Folks who, despite being brilliantly talented and looking like they got it all together from the outside, are working through some real life challenges. So join us. We'd like to invite every listener of this podcast to experience a Rise On membership for free for an entire month. That includes our weekly Rise On sessions, live and online, plus on-demand mindfulness content and daily community support. To activate your free month Rise On membership, visit www.riseon.life. That's R-I-S-O-N dot L-I-F-E. Riseon.life. Mi gente, let's rise on. Thank you.